This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Drinking with Authors, the podcast. I'm your host, Erica Lance. And I'm Vanessa Valiente. And our amazing guest today is, go for it. Tessana! Okay, let's talk about what we're drinking real quick here. So I am drinking Blue Moon Honey Days. It has a little bee on it. It's super cute. Okay. Is that good? What? Is it good? It is good. It's actually very, very good. And it I didn't have any oranges, so I didn't make it super, but it's good. It's got clover honey in it. It's it's fancy. I'm super fancy today, sitting here in my pajama pants. Nobody can see. It's cool. Vanessa, what are you drinking? I am going to, I'm going to have a little, 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 I can't even speak right. I have a matcha latte and it's not spikes, so I'm sorry. I'm, I am sober right now, but I may switch it up to Kentucky bourbon ale because I just remembered I have some in my fridge, so I'll probably change it up, change it up in the second half. Okay. Okay. Cassandra, what are you drinking? I am stuck with damn Pulsar, Polar Seltzer Pink Summer Iced Tea Water. 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 But that's okay because after this surgery, I got some Crown Royal that I am going to get lit. <laughs> I only have to wait another two weeks. I have Crown Royal Apple. I have Crown Royal Peach and I have Crown Royal Vanilla. I will say that Crown Royal Peach is one of the best things in the entire universe. I give it away. I got I got a whole case of it last last year. Mm. I just give it away. If you come to my event, you can win one. Oh, I'm coming to your event specifically for no other reason. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm coming to your event because I missed it this year. And it makes me so sad because me and you were, you know, twinsies with our, our broken legs. We are twinsies with our, we are total twinsies with broken legs. I ain't even going to, but that's right. Okay. So for those that may not know you, tell everyone what you write. I write everything. Quite honestly, I cross genres all the time, but um, it's the, the only thing I stay true to is it's always interracial, but I've written fantasy about a leprechaun and a giant and and his name was Dickless, Dickloss. And I've written... The Giant or the Leprechaun? The Giant. The Giant was a little angry because he was Dickloss. Oh. But I also had a black... And my Leprechaun was a cowboy. And I had a... And he rode a black unicorn that literally pissed Butterscotch. I need to move to this world. I think I'd be much happier in that world. <laughs> It's, it's called uh, Lucky's Charm. That's oh my God. Lucky's <laughs> Charm. So she, yeah, I have written fantasy. I've written contemporary. I've written paranormal. I've written everything. I go, I just, wherever it kind of takes me, I go. Which is amazing. Amazeballs. And you are, um, have a convention every year. I do. I have, I've had the convention for the last eight years. It's called Interracial Romance Author Expo. Everybody's welcome. Anybody who's an author can actually participate. My only requirement is you have to have written at least one interracial book. That's now, inter interracial 
Um, we should define that does not mean a leprechaun and a giant. That's not no. interracial. Interracial to me means well, it, it has one connotation. One hero is not multicultural. People get multicultural and interracial confused. Multicultural is they could be of the same race, but from different areas like German and Scottish, uh, Mexican and Indian. Interracial is where one hero is of another race than the other, than the heroine. So he could be Chinese, Japanese, he could, no, Chinese and Japanese are Asian. He could be Asian, Mexican, Hispanic, because I'm writing a whole group of them right now. That's why it's in my head. Um, <laughs> he can be white, he can be black, but the heroine has to be of a different ethnicity. She could be Indian, the same thing, but they can't be of two of the same kind at the same time. So it doesn't matter, because um, I know a lot of your authors write um, black and white. Mm -hmm. A lot of the authors that, um, not, I don't even want to say a lot. A few of them that I've talked to, because I, I've not even scratched the surface of talking to a lot of the authors that go to your con, but it can be any of those racial combinations. Yes. That is awesome. That is amazing. It, it, and, it doesn't have to be, a lot of them, I, a lot of us, started with what we call BWWM, which is black woman, white male, because that was the acceptable niche. Mm. And that was in 2010, 11, when I first came out, that was like the niche thing. Uh, some authors tended to call it a fetish because it was so new. I but, was going to say, didn't Amazon put that in the category of erotica when they, when that first came out? Yeah, because they, they considered it a fetish. Yeah. But things have grown and we, my push has always been to make IR, make it mass market, make it something everybody, because it's not just about the color of your skin. So you don't have to be, I actually grew up, I grew up with the Harlequin. I had a Harlequin subscription when I was 12 years old. Wow. I'm actually <laughs> jealous that you had that. My mom was not a big fan of me reading those. Oh no, I had to take it out of my allowance. So I would con my grandmother into giving me 20 bucks. <laughs> I need 20 bucks for what? Books? <laughs> it's a good line, though. It's a good line. It's hard for grandparents to argue with you wanting books. It worked until she figured out what I was reading. And then I was kind of on my own. I was like, can I cut a yard? Something? I just need some money. That was my, you know, books were my crack. They used to punish me by taking away my books. My oh, wow. Yeah, that was scary. But um, I grew up and my whole point of writing was I wanted to see a heroine that looked like me. I didn't care what he looked like, as long as he was sexy and had a six pack. But I wanted to see a heroine that actually looked like me. Yeah, I can imagine. I got a good imagination. I can imagine her looking like me, but I wanted it in. I wanted to be able to taste that paper as I turned it. So that was my whole motivation for actually doing that. And because we were considered such a niche, no matter where I went, including RWA, they didn't like us. Yeah, no. And that's what kind of the downfall of RWA has been here recently. Yeah. Not truly coming to light in the last few years. And I thought I was so, I know this sounds weird to say it this way. I was so happy to see that because, you know, as, as a publisher and seeing own voices and stuff like that, it's just kind of horribly shitty what the publishing industry has done yes. to this point to something that doesn't fit in their mold and you, you know you talk about this almost 
subtle thing that is had been agreed upon for so long. Well, it's not just them. It's actually the bookstores. You do not. I don't know if you would know, but a lot of us, if we went into a bookstore, we weren't part of the romance section. We might have wrote romance, but they put us in a section for African-American. I remember this. Yes. I have this distinct memory of um, going to, was it Walden Books? Or it was like a little bookstore in the mall. Mm-hmm. And I re- distinctly remember it was right when the first Twilight movie was coming out. And so that's not really, if you think about it, wasn't that long ago. No, it wasn't. And I remember there was literally, that was also when young adult section was very small too. Yeah. And it was very white. Yeah. And it was, it was literally probably maybe like three or four little shelves, which now in the bookstore, you have several rows of it. Yeah. It is very diverse, more, well, at least more diverse than it used to be, but it still needs work. But I distinctly remember African-American was like two shelves or mm-hmm. maybe like, yeah. And I was what? like, why is this its own thing? Like, it's like, it's either adult, young adult, yep. suspense, mystery, why is why are we pushing one group? They, they one took all, any book written by African-American, any book, or if it had a, actually, yeah, I was about to say, even if it had a, a if it had an African, but even the big, like the bigger ones that might have an African-American secondary character, they got, if they were white authors, they were put into the regular romance section. Mm-hmm. But African-American authors were literally or African-American publishers, like um, there used to be a publisher called Indigo. I'm not even sure if they're still around, but they were all clumps, whether it was suspense, romance, no matter what, it it didn't matter. We got one section in the bookstore. Mm -hmm. And that that is what that, and it was like that for years. I can, I mean, for years. I even think in YA, when they started um, publishing more diverse books, they were still not putting a multicultural person on the cover. No. So the only characters you would ever see if there was a book with a character on the front was a white girl or a white guy. Mm -hmm. And if you were writing like African-American, Asian, Hispanic, you get some, you know, and again, they're, they're beautiful covers, you know, it's not like they're ugly, but you know, unless you picked it up and you read the back and really dived in, you didn't know that the main character, because they'll put some kind of like obscure compass, a, a dagger with blood dripping off of it, a crown, you know, something like George R. R. Martin. Yeah. So it's like a symbol, something on there. And there would be no one of multicultural descent on the actual cover. Oh, my, one of my first books when I, when I started self-publishing, I'll never forget. I went to a, a cover artist and she said, listen, Kasana, I really wish I could help you, but I don't have any black models. Can I just color in this white one? You want to color in. Do you realize how insulting that is to me? You want to take my character. Wow. Her in and make her tan where she's clearly a white woman. And you want me to sell. And I did it because I had no other options. There were no other options, but I left that book up there. I've never changed the cover because it reminds me every time I look at it how far we've actually come. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. you know, it's it's so true racially and also sexual orientation. 
Yep. Like we we we're publishing, and it's interesting because we're seeing that like there's whole genres being sort of still not touched by mainstream publishers Agreed. at all. And what's really interesting is I think bookstores and booksellers are still stuck in the, that's our theory, you know, Four Horsemen. We're like, they're in the dark ages. They're stuck in the dark ages about how to sell books and stuff. Cause you have these stores that are stuck with these contracts with Macmillan that they have to put so many of their books on the shelves. And I feel in the not too distant future here, that's not going to be the case. And as long as authors have their stuff in places like, uh, um, uh, in Ingram and things like that, they're going to, these bookstores are going to find them. Because I, them. I'm not quite sure. I, I honestly, I'm honestly a little scared with today's vitriol about racists that there might be a little backsliding. Just, I'm not quite sure how far it'll go because the big, the big publishers want to accommodate their mass market. And let's face it, that's white women. That's older white women. And as long as, as long as they feel like they have to accommodate them, they're all, they're going to do that. And they're going to say, they, they, they'll say, oh, we want your books, but they won't release them for a year and a half. You know, oh, and that's why I'm saying we have to ignore them. We're, we happen to be um, one of the, you know, Ingram core source publishers like right. Macmillan and Harper Collins. We're in the same category, category as them as far as a publisher goes with them. And we're seeing our books for our different um, voices being pushed out there and going up and going high. And I think it's because, you know, everybody assumes that the audience is not interested in these books. They just don't even know they're out there. So like, that's the biggest thing is getting them out there and getting it known. And I think what, what you're doing and what your group does and a lot of authors, we just, we all have to band together and just keep pushing because it will get out there and it will be mainstream once well, it's out there. Well, I because think we, we, what we do is we put these caps on people on what they think is the things that they're gonna like. Mm -hmm. And I remember we just came back from Pensacon, like that was it, like two weekends ago in Pensacola. And, you know, one of my biggest thing is when I went to the table to sell all of our author's books is I never wanted to stereotype anyone that came to the table. You know, any, I would just, my goal was, I'm going to tell you about what each of these books are. And if there's something specifically that you like, you know, I'll point you in the right direction, but no matter who came to the table, I, I pitched them every single book. And nine times out of 10, the people who purchased books that I didn't think they would like, they did. People I thought were like, you know, only wanted white protagonists, you know, straight characters. Right. The majority of them all wanted LGBT, all, all the spectrum. They didn't want anything that was what I feel like mainstream right now is pushing yeah. out into the world. They are people who want every kind of story and oh, you don't have yeah. to belong to that particular group you know no, no i'm not you know i don't i'm not a member of lgbt but i love reading books with lgbt characters i want to see all these characters flourish in these stories because that's how real life I, is i think i think 
any minority, quite honestly, any minority, whether it be LGBTQ, I can never say it right. I'm sorry, I get tongue twisted. But I just think we have so much experience and we have so much to say, to give back, to give back. Yeah. There are so many things that people don't understand about culture, just culture, that, 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 if you actually sat down and read an interracial book, you I've had people tell me, Kasana, I forgot, I forgot what color they were. I forgot that it or I I, I have a in one of, I wrote a racist book before it was popular called Falling. It's about a racist who gets out of jail and realizes that the woman he 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 left was pregnant and they're meth heads and they're, they're I, I wrote the gritty reality of what happens when you are at the bottom. Not the billionaire, not the not the the billionaire's baby, but the bottom when there's a meth addiction, when social social services is taking your kid, and when you're getting out of jail, I tend to write the grittier part of what happens. Because to me, there's a are we really billionaires? I mean, it's nice to get in that fantasy. And I, I've written a, I've written billionaire books, but the books that I love are those ones that are true to me. I don't want to write anything. I want to write what I see in my community. And what I see is homelessness. What I see is, I, this matter of fact, the secondary character was a, a, a gay couple and she had never dressed up. She came from the... Um, she came from the system and they, they had, they, they dressed her up and put for her first date. And it, and it was a, it was more, it was written com comically, but I meant every word of that. I would love to see more. I would love to see more interracial gay and lesbian books. I don't I see agree. that. I agree a hundred percent. And that's part of why we did what we did with our publishing is also we don't change the stories being handed to us by authors because that's the other thing that I know happens to a lot of own voice authors is they present the book and they go, oh yeah, no, we, we want the book. We want to sign it. We need this to be a male-female couple instead of a male-male or a female-female couple. Like you need to change this or you need to change the race of one of the characters or something like that. And, and it's interesting to me, it's one thing if the writer needs some uh, technique, meaning you need to work on their phrasing, they need to throw a couple other things in the book, you know, to enhance the story. But the moment a publisher goes to take up somebody's story and tell them their vision has to be changed to conform with what that publisher wants, I just want to junk punch that publisher and go, you know what, you're out of the pool, you're not allowed to play here anymore, go, get out. Because that's not what art is. It's kind of like going to somebody who painted a painting and going, listen, this is a beautiful ocean view. Can you change this to be lava, like a lava flow instead of the ocean? Because that's what I want to hang on my wall. Is a, You would never do that to a painter in a million years. You wouldn't go to a sculptor and go, oh, this is so beautiful. Can you add like a hairdo? Can you just, like you never do that. Agreed. But, People well, do that with writing all the time and it's terrible. Like it's the, anyway. It's all self-created. We, we 
teach people to be, to have these mindsets. If you teach kids to only say a girl can only like pink and a boy can like blue, then as they grow older, that's what they'll pick. Doesn't mean that that's what they would have picked if we didn't force them into that mindset. It's just like saying, well, little boys aren't going to watch movies if the main character is a female. I'm like, that's bullshit. Cause I've grown up watching plenty of male characters be the main character. And I love the movies. Like I, Luke Skywalker, Iron Man, like I love all this. So how are we telling people that little boys can't like main characters that are female? And it's the same with saying, well, you know, the public only wants to see white main characters. Well, that's bullshit. Just because someone's white doesn't mean that they don't want to see these other characters. It's just, you have been forcing this narrative on other people, you know? And so we need to, you know, we need to stop that mindset of teaching people that this is the only thing that they're going to like, you know? I think that's what a lot of people are doing. They're stopping that mindset. I just think it's going to take longer only because you got a whole lot of people that although you have this group that's stopping the mindset, that's pushing, 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 like we do push, push, push. It feels like you're, it's like we're rolling that boulder uphill. It's the hill that we got to get past. And you got people building on that hill. So as, as hard as we push, my biggest fear is that I will not see it before. It, it will be, it'll be something we'll break into a mainstream situation in my son's lifetime, not mine. Well, I, I hope that you're wrong in that. And I think there's a lot more of us and a lot more community standing together on things than there was before on this. And I, it's my hope that we're able to push that boulder faster than they can keep building. And in the next few years that it changes. And I think, you know, it, it touches on a point of community, author community, and being out, finding, finding your, your, um, your group, you know what I mean? Finding your, your, your group of people and finding people who you can stand behind that go, no, no matter what, no matter what dollar signs they're throwing at you, you have, there's a point of integrity that has to come into play and avenues because the moment you lose your integrity on a point. Like I've interviewed so many authors that have had to change things, whether it's the cover of their book, the name of their book, and not because their cover was bad, but they're being told what it's going to be. Like I had an author I interviewed and they put a cover on his book and changed the title on his book. And the, it doesn't make any sense. And the book didn't sell very well. And he's like just waiting to get it back so he can actually publish it with a cover and a name that makes sense and i just go we have to stop letting that be okay as a community i i agree and and i i agree that your key word to me was integrity and the reason i say it was a key word is because there are still authors that want those contracts they want to be part of the big six they want to be part of that so they're willing to let that integrity they're, real, they're, they're willing to go into those gray areas because those major publishers are known major, major publishers. I was so happy when I found out about y'all because I didn't even know you existed. But, and that's a, it is a game changer. But as long as those six dictate what we're going to do, you're going to have authors that will waver because they want the recognition. A lot of us have put in the time. We we were idealistic. We were we self-published. We did that, and we saw nothing for it. Nothing. Yeah. 
And then now, now we're older, you know, we're hitting them 40s, 50s, and 60s. Now, now the big now, and now they're making that little modicum of of of, of oh, I see you. They, oh, I see you. Give us your book. I see you. And there's hope that, oh, okay, yeah, I'm going. And I've talked to authors and said, well, Cassandra, I'm going to try it. I'm like, well, go for it. You know, I want you, I hope you always make it big. I, I want any author that came to my event or any author that I know, make it big. Do it. Because don't think I ain't going to go back and say, I know that shit. <laughs> but, oh, I knew that shit when she was eating porridge. I know her. So, and that's not even being the point. I get it. It's you get war weary. And no, I totally. And that's, you know, right now where we're at, we're hoping in three years to be on the cover of Newsweek with, you know, who the hell is this new, who, you know, who is Four Horsemen or Four Horsemen has brought the publishing apocalypse. My long term goal is to change the publishing world. And to that's me, all. <laughs> And that's, that's what I'm going for. I, you know, that was the entire reason we started this thing was to give authors their real voice and to make it sane and safe for authors to do their art, yes. but also to bring down the big boys because, you know, it's, they need to, they need to change. And, and trust me, I'm blood, sweat and tears. I am not giving up on that goal. Yeah. And I feel I that. I just want to see the publishing, like the publishing houses have gotten better about being diverse, but I want them to stop putting caps on it. Like saying, oh, we got our one black fantasy for the fall season. So we, we're not gonna, we're, we're, we're gonna turn away all these other ones. I'm like, why are we putting caps on things? Like, you know, I thought books are one of those things that you can just, you can love so many different ones and you can change. I read my whole subscription. Literally, Vanessa, I read my whole subscription when I was 12 in a weekend. And then I was pissed because I had to wait. Exactly. I can't wait for another six books. I feel you. Exactly. Like, if I see, if there's a, if there is, if there's a specific thing that I'm looking for, I want to read it over and over, like, as much of different authors as possible. So it's like, you know, yes, things have gotten better than they used to be, but we need to stop thinking that you know, we only need to champion that one for the year, your token Asian story, token Hispanic person, your token, because that's literally what it is. You know, yeah. there it's, you could have 50 white fantasy narratives, but we're only going to champion the one African-American, you know, like children of blood and bone just comes to my mind. Like, I'm so glad that that book exists, you know, it's by Tomi Ediemi with, and, and it has a, character on the cover that is female she is black she is powerful she has magic but i feel like she was one of the only ones of her of that season to come out and then they basically said you know to everyone else well, we already got our one yeah and, you know so i don't know that's kind of like my hope as four horsemen that we acquire books not because we're capping how many but we're championing authors who are writing well-written stories and that are true reflections of the real world, whether it's fantasy or contemporary, whatever you write. And we want everyone to feel welcome, you know, that they feel like they all have a chance versus thinking, well, we, they already have their five. There's no point in me putting my voice into the mix. Oh, I agree. I agree. I definitely agree. And it, it, it'll come. 
Yeah. Like I said, I, I don't have a fear that it'll happen. I know it'll happen. I'm just leery of it happening in my time. I, I would love it for it to happen in my time. I would love to see it. You know, that would just, to me, that would give me vindication. Mm-hmm. It would give me, okay, you know what? It was everything, every everybody I talked to, every putting everything together when I do, just, yeah, yeah, you know. But I got to say, I'm just a little scared. <laughs> No, and you know what? I I hope at one point me and you are having a crown on the rocks or with mixers, and I go see. Told you so. Like Girl, I would love that. I will buy you the bottle. You hear me? I will buy you the bottle, the whole bottle. We will have a couple bottles because I live right down the street from Lake Witch Ryan. We we will get a case because I get them to donate cases to me sometimes. I We will get a case and we will sit there and kill those bottles sitting on somebody dock of the bay. <laughs> exactly. And that's what I want. And I want to do it before it's my kid's generation that the one that's doing it. Now, they will reap the rewards more than anyone, but I want to have it done. I want to have done it and made everybody stop thinking the way they're thinking. They have to stop thinking the way I would, they're I would love that because, like I said, I would, I would, girl, I would supply you with alcohol for forevermore. <laughs> forevermore, we'd be drinking everything. Oh, I got this. Let's, hey, hey, girl, I got something, girl. Let me, girl, let's have, girl. I'll, I'll be over in Tampa tomorrow. We got alcohol. <laughs> I would love all of that because. That is, that is worth it to me. I love getting the published and it's great and you get the best sellers, but changing the world of publishing is really, you know, we, we say we're bringing the publishing apocalypse. That is really the goal. That is the goal to, I want to be there. I want to be front and center and I want to be there where the big boys are looking, going, who the fuck is that? And what are they doing? And then them realizing that the rest of the world doesn't want to wait. They just don't know it's there. Kind of like if you only supply one kind of deli meat at a supermarket in a, somewhere somebody's living, that's all they think exists. Yeah. And they get a Publix and the whole fucking world changes for them. You know? Oh, no. I think the little niche, there's not as many as they were, only because Amazon is pretty much niche publishers out. But when I started, there was like 15. I think now there's seven, eight maybe. Yeah. But, um. That that would be that would be like my dream if that happened. And okay. we have the dream together. We're gonna do it. We're we doing it. Do it because I'm gonna keep writing books. I will keep writing books till I can't till I'm old, decrepit, and can't think of nothing else. Until I can't even imagine what a dick look like. <laughs> and on that note, we're gonna take a break and be right This is the voice of Drinking With Authors. You are at our commercial break, and our commercial is, hey, do you want to be a guest on our show? Or do you have a question for one of the guests on our show? Or do you have a brilliant drink recipe that we've never heard of? That would have to stump us. But you could reach us at drinkingwithauthors at gmail.com or on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook. You can direct message or even just leave a comment on one of our posts. We would absolutely love to hear from you. Recordings back. No, I think it's brilliant because you know it doesn't matter what 
it doesn't matter anything. There's stories. And if you can tell stories, it's interesting because we're going to talk about your writing. I want to just touch this one thing. What was interesting is we started publishing a lot of male, male erotica books, right? There's not a lot out there. We started publishing. Let me, let me crack. There's not a lot out there that are actually written by men. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. So we publish male, male erotica written by men. And the audience that buys it are these old white women that you're talking about. That's, I mean, males buy it too, but there's a, trust me, people love books. Books have been like, it's kind of like porn. Books are where you can go to be naughty and adventure into things that you don't necessarily show people because it's on your Kindle or in your audiobook, and nobody else knows that you're going down this path that maybe you don't feel is quite whatever because you get to explore it. It's like, you know, nudie magazines. You could open that shit and play with it, and then girl, girl. Oh no, actually, it's it's crazy. Uh, at Pensacon, uh, one of our book, our top. I swear, I believe it's our top seller, Steel and Thunder. Everyone who walked past our table was enthralled by the cover of this book because it's basically D and D male romance, high fantasy. And this particular author, Dominic, he was publishing his chat, like the book online, each chapter. And he had decided to have it published with us. And it is, I swear, one of the top sellers. And it's one of those books that you would never see with one of the big four. And people, every time they come by, they, are, they stop by. And if they can't buy it that day, they snapshot it so that they can buy it at a later time. And it's just, it's, it's amazing. And it's well, not just... Speaking of Harlequin, uh, I got the author to agree to let me do the cover. It's characters, like it's an artist-drawn cover because it's an orc and a human, like an orc. And I got him to draw a Fabio cover. So it's the orc holding the other guy kind of like laying to the side. <laughs> it is the best cover. So the next one that's coming out is exactly the same. So what we did is we sent to the artist that drew them, his name is Oxford, and we sent a bunch of Fabio covers and said, you got to make the the male on the cover of the Fabio is the orc and the female is the human male. Go. Ooh. And they're, they're gorgeous covers, but they're hysterical because it has that whole like billowy hair blowing in the... That is awesome. <laughs> Oh my gosh. And it's it's back at number six on LGBT erotica on Amazon. That thing has not dropped out of the top 25 no. since we published it, which just says the audience is there and hungry for it. Just nobody's given it to them. Right. That sounded vaguely dirty. Well, also, I think also erotica is one of those things that we need to trust people will find it because it's one of those things that not always everyone's going to be vocal about their, you know, preferences. And so, you know, we just need to present it there and let people decide for themselves what they want to read. If they're not vocal about it, I guarantee you they're going to go on Amazon and buy it, baby. Oh, yeah. We literally had one girl who was shamed by her two friends for wanting to pick up any of the erotica books. It was the most craziest thing. And she was like, can I just look at the back of these covers? And then her friends walked away. She's like, don't worry. I'm going to, I got your car and I'm going to buy all of these books because there's some people that are just too embarrassed to say that that's what they want to read. But you'd be surprised. 
Oh, I'm not. When I go to my daughter's. Oh, we're not surprised. We, we know it's I mean, out there. We just got to give it to them. I know. I know. We just got to make it accessible. But yes. It's hilarious. My daughter's like, Mommy, I told him you write books. I said, oh, what kind? She said, romance. I said, sex. I write sex. I write sex. And sex is good. I don't mind watching that. It's like watching porn. You know, I watch porn. You're created. Your brother's created. I, hey, we created our own porn. <laughs> what is wrong with you? Did we just have this whole conversation, Mommy? Yes. Yes, we did. Because you need yeah. to understand. Enjoy your sexuality, pumpkin. I know. Like, there was, like, these, like, high school boys that were, like, walking by, snickering at the covers. And they were like, ha, ha, ha. That's, those are books my mom will read. And he, I had no idea who these people were. And I, when they walked by, I was like, yeah, that's how uh, you were created. And they I, turned around. Yeah. And they were like, oh, shit. And they just, like, walked away. I think they were like, oh, I don't want to imagine my mom doing whatever. <laughs> I was like, yeah. <laughs> I read erotica and my daughter read my book when she was 15 or 16. She decided she wanted to read the book and she did. And she literally, I walked in to her room and she was planted out and she was talking to a friend and she's like, my mom basically writes like if you took sex in the city and 50 shades of gray, but not the shitty 50 shades of gray and put it together in a book. That's what my mom writes. And I'm like, 50 Shades of Grey. And she goes, there's just a lot of porn in it. Because I'm like, there's not a lot of bondage in the book. There's no porn in 50 Shades. All right, let's be realistic. If 50 Shades of Grey, if he wasn't a millionaire, he'd live in a trailer, nobody would buy it. That is actually an ID story. Yeah, yeah because yeah. if he was ugly and he did all those things, you'd be like jeepers, creepers. Be like, no, dude. Putting you in handcuffs, kind of like. Yeah. Well, that and the writing's terrible. Okay, let's, Kasana, though, we got to talk about your writing. When did you start writing? When I was 12, and I wanted to see people who looked like me, but I was over, I was over, I was overriding, they got a word for it now, but I was overriding those Harlequin books, was like, oh, I can make her black. <laughs> so, I started doing that, and then I had notebook on notebook on notebook. And then, I, I've had several businesses, and I'm sure as y'all know, Failure is the mother of creativity. So that is true. I had a bridal business and it was, it was a thriving bridal business in this little rural town. And then the 2008 economic housing crisis hit. Uh, yeah. And they weren't buying bridal. They weren't buying wedding dresses anymore. They weren't buying, they weren't having the big weddings. They weren't doing all of the things. And I, I was a small shop. So it wasn't like I could hold on with a big shop. Yeah. And so many stories to tell, like the chick that came into my shop wanting to get married because we had a little chapel next to it and she couldn't get married, but she wanted me to marry her because in Florida you can be married by a notary and she couldn't. And when I asked her for the, well, I'm still married. What? <laughs> so oh my goodness. I had so many stories to tell. And then I thought about it. Well, you know, Throw your hand in writing. And don't get me wrong. My first couple, my first couple, I knew nothing. I knew, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know how to do it. They were like, you have to have a Chicago style. And I'm like, what the hell is a Chicago style? Huh? What's New York? the fuck are you talking about? I just want to give you my story. And then, you know, <laughs> all these things. What does pizza have to do with this? Yes. <laughs> and I had all these things and they were like, well, you need this, this, and this. And, and I got so many denials oh. and and i was like okay well fuck you too 
<laughs> so I, I kept at it. And by 2010, my first book came out. And my first royalty check, I thought I was doing something. I made 36 damn dollars. I kept that check. I didn't even cash it. <laughs> put it in a brain. Because I felt like I had accomplished something. And it just built from there. I just, I never pigeonholed myself. The only thing I ever stayed true to is what I did when I was 12 and I made the heroine black. But I do that just because I'm black. I could write a white heroine. I've written mixed heroines. I've written Indian heroines. I've actually, the only one I honestly haven't written is a white one. I don't know. I think that's a mental thing for me, for me personally, which is funny because half my family is white. I got two different damn family reunions I have to attend because we got the white side and the black side. And um, I can get back which one is more fun. Anyway, continue. Oh, a girl, actually, I turn them both out. Wait, oh, drop the music. Drop it like it's hot. Word, girl. Pop that coochie. Pop, pop that coochie. <laughs> and they look like, pop the what? The coochie. Pop the coochie. <laughs> so it's like, I, you know, we, I, you'd be surprised. I make it fun wherever I go. I really No, do. I would not be surprised. I know you make it fun wherever you I, go. I, I would make it fun. But it's just so many different things. So I try, I think I write whatever I'm going through. So, and I think because it's whatever I'm going through, some of the books I love don't sell worth shit. And then some of the books that I think are like the shittiest book I ever put out was like, oh my God, that book was so good. What did you do? And I'm like, I don't fucking know, but we're going to go, okay. <laughs> that you enjoyed it but it, it's that's my I, I don't even think I have a real style I like I like hair I like heroes that are like I like a hero I could never live with because let's face oh. it if he, if he tried to tell me you gonna do this I'd look at him and say fuck you and there's the door but in a book when he's all alpha and you're gonna come now I'm like oh yes daddy get it so <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why I I tend to write heroes that I can't live with because my husband although he's very he's very quiet where I'm very loud if there was two of us I think I'd have been divorced several times over <laughs> maybe a couple more times so I tend to write that and I tend to write heroines that I wanted to be I wanted to be that millionaire with the construction business. Yeah. And I also tend to write a lot of blue collar. I've noticed that I have I have certain genres I favor. I mean, I could write it, but I favor certain things. So I like blue collar. I like the man who like came up from nothing and is like, yeah, I own this bitch. <laughs> yes, you do, daddy. Yes, you do. <laughs> so I, I tend to write that. And I think that's just growing up. You know, you saw my dad was a uh, a vet, a Vietnam vet who jumped. He he jumped out of planes. He was a, a Air Army Ranger, yeah, Army Ranger. So, but let's face it, my dad was an asshole. He was just a straight up asshole. And 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 coming back from the war, he was an asshole that had issues. 
but he was so manly. He would go hunting. He would be like, he would take me and, and I was mad at him when I was six, no, three, because he killed Bambi. I was like, you killed Bambi's mother. You're horrible, daddy. You're horrible. (laughs) Yeah. I, I opened up the window. We're in Pittsburgh. He's hanging Bambi's mother from a tree. I'm like, you're the worst daddy in the world. You know what? I, I can't, my cousin will never forgive his dad for when he had a pet pig or was it pet pig or whatever. And then on a holiday, they were eating, they, they were eating mm-hmm. pork or whatever the animal was because he asked, oh, where'd you get this? He's like, oh, that's your pet so-and-so. <laughs> it was like, what? Yeah. And his pet. Yeah, but that's yeah. what, but that's ex- exactly. So to me, my my dad was very manly. He was this big guy with that did all these things, but I also understood the reality of what my father was in real life. So I tend to glamorize the parts I like and take away the parts I don't. Like, for example, when I'm when I'm mad at my mother, I mean, I must have killed that heifer about a hundred times in books. So <laughs> if you ever, ever read one of my books and somebody with a D, if her name starts with a D and she died or she had a horrible accident or she was disfigured in some way, because I will do that. That's my mother-in-law. I've done some, not my, not, not my mother-in-law, but I've done, you know, people who've done me wrong in my past. And let's just say you die or something really bad happens to you in my book. (laughs) What is that from A Knight's Tale? I will eviscerate you in fiction. (laughs) One of my favorite lines from A Knight's Tale when Chaucer goes, I will eviscerate you in fiction. Yeah, a, a warning sign on my office door that says "warning um, writers." It's like warning writers' office. You may be written into the story. I will kill people. Just go ahead. I kill everybody in some of my stories. So I write erotica, but I also write horror stories. You do not want to be in one of my horror stories. Yeah. But that's it doesn't go well. That's it. But I write gangsters, and I I, I tend to write mafia. Like, for example, I'm writing a mafia right now, and she's waterboarding her own sister. <laughs> I mean, oh, yes. She's, she's waterboarding her sister with Detroit water. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. That's almost worse than the waterboarding. Ugh. Oh, Detroit water is terrible. And oh. I was in my group, and I was like, I was talking to some friends, and, and, and I was like, I said, I have a really twisted mind. And they said, well, what happened? I said, I said, I'm hangry. I'm angry all the time. So she's going to, she's literally going to kill her sister. She's going to kill her sister. I said, she's waterboarding her. She's waterboarding her sister. Are they blood relatives? I said, yeah. Yeah, they are. They are. I I wish the blood relatives thing actually meant you wanted to be around the person, but I think we all know that's not always the case. (laughs) That's so, so true. Yeah, I feel like blood relatives just mean you'll give a little more tolerance than you will to everyone else, but my my tolerance level's there. Okay, let's, so what is the first book you ever published? Club Lex. Club Lex with um, Evernight Publishing was the first publisher that ever accepted me. And that's 10 years old. Oh, wow. And what I did was there was an old show. I got the inspiration from an old show on um, 
the sci-fi channel called Lex. It was an old, old, old show. And I, was, I named the club after the show. But this is the club. Isn't this a club that is used in a lot of people's books? Is this the club that's used in everybody's books? I have no idea. It's called Club Lex, though. It's Club Lex, and I did three stories with Evernight. And they were all interracial with different heroines. Like, um, but it was all about this BDSM swingers club that you could only get in by invitation. And so there was men in latex doing things. And, and it was just, I wrote three books for them. And then I released a paranormal series called uh, The Pack, Pack Rules. And I got that from watching the McCoys and the Hatfields argue. I was watching a documentary on the History Channel about the McCoys and the Hatfields. I'm like, oh, that would make a really cool story if he was a wolf. <laughs> so I ended up, and I still have to finish. There's three books left in that series. And from that series, I jumped to what we call the shifter legends because not all shifters have to be animals. So I have shifter legends, which are dragons. They're all the uh, cryptids. So wow. there's Bigfoot, gargoyles. Like gargoyle, there's the, uh, the Jersey Devil. Um, chupacabras, they're all cryptids, but they're all in this world with shifters. There are no vampires though, and there are no bunnies. There's no bunny shifters because they ate them all. And there is no vampires because during the Great War, the shifters won. And the shifters won because the, crypt, the cryptids took their side. Yeah, see, I feel like you and um, Valerie should... Oh, they talked about this at the con. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You guys so, collaborate. The money coming should do a little cross. I've done that to that world. And then from that world, I rolled into uh, Pride Riders, which is my African cats motorcycle club. So they came, they were, they were Afrikaans. They were actually white Africans who, who were work, who worked with the tribes, but there was a big mix, mix up a misunderstanding and they all kind of immigrated to the States. They live in Oregon now, but they're big cats who were raised by a hyena. <laughs> so they, there yeah. were big cats that were raised by hyenas. Mm -hmm. you know, and then they adopted. Yeah, you do. It's a thing. And then they adopted an uh, eagle. So all my worlds cross over. There's if you if you go into any of that world, you'll see characters from any particular that if they were from Pride Riders or from Shifter Legends or from Pack Rules, they all. And then as I get certain ones, I build the world more. <laughs> It's like, do you, do, can you read any series in whichever order or you have to pick up a specific No, one? you can read it in any order because I give you background. And matter of fact, I've had people say, well, I'm looking for this story, but it's not part of this series. I said, did you, you're looking for, I said, what you're looking for, baby, is pack rules. Oh, there's another series? Yeah. <laughs> so then they, they go, oh, oh, you got a whole bunch of motives. Yeah. And during the and during the the wars, because the whole thing is there's a war between the government. It's not even a war. The government knows they exist, but they kind of just let it be because it would just cause chaos to know them, to, to let everybody know that these people exist. 
So they kind of govern themselves. The government stays out. So the animals govern themselves. And the cryptids are so old. They're thousands of years old. So they kind of don't get involved. If they have to get involved, then you just, it's all, all, everything is going to hell if they actually get involved. But there's one government, he wants to use them because they live so long. And because they live so long, he's been, he, he, he appears, him or his cronies appear in any one of those series because they're always picking, picking, picking at the shifters, at the legends, at, 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 at the cats. And now I think I left the last book was uh, Redemption, where they were fighting amongst themselves, but they had to come together because now their children have been taken. Oh, wow. So... Oh. When you go back to these series, do you reread your books or how do you, do you have a world Bible? What do you do to keep track of all this? I have a world Bible. I keep, I actually, I have three world Bibles because they're each, it's the same world, but they're each different storylines. Totally different storylines. Like the cryptids are so old that they have money because they've been around for years. They've invested. They had gold before gold was popular. But pack rules, they're actually everyday men. Like one's a sheriff in, in a little community I created in, in, in Louisiana called Batal. Batal means animal in Cajun. So there's little hints like in Bulkshire, the town in Kentucky is actually wolf, I think in, in some crazy language I found because I was looking for something off key. So I try to incorporate all these different things. And you got the Black Mountain group, you got the, the ridges, you got Batal. And I don't just limit it to wolves. You got like my sheriff is a gator. He's a, wow. he's a he's a gator out of the bayou. I have a black panther, a Florida panther that um, they were going extinct and she ran because they they ex they executed her family. I have I have boars. I have a boar mixed with a snake. And and the mother was like, oh. She said, but she's beautiful. If you, she said, look at her, she's beautiful. And, and, and her aunt said, yeah, but wait till she shifts. I have a Komodo dragon um, that couldn't shift. She was, she was mentally blocked because she could not shift. She grew up in this whole society where all she knew was shifters and she couldn't shift. Oh, wow. So at the last minute, her daughter gets taken and out of nowhere, that mother instinct kicks in and she literally becomes a Komodo dragon in the midst of running after the, her daughter. So she, the, I have a whole plethora. They have, I have gators, I have snakes, like um, one of, a boar is, I have a boar shifter who's, who's with a, a snake and she, she literally, I made in one scene, I made, I made the whole scene rain snakes on him. She dropped and they all dropped with her. Oh, wow. So I, I tend to mix it up so that they're all different. I opened up um, Shifter Legends with dragons, but his best friend is a gargoyle. And he thought he was the only gargoyle because French doesn't have gargoyles anymore. And then in book three, I think he found out that there's a whole bunch of them. They're just hiding because as cryptids, they were hunted. So now he's got a whole bunch of them and it's, it's a totally different thing. And because he was, he thought he was the only one, they thought he was visiting New Jersey and they mistook him for the Jersey devil, but there's actually a Jersey devil. 
And then my chupacabra showed up in Texas during redemption for Pack Rules because he owns a bar in Texas, in, in the border of Texas, because he's Mexican. But he's a chupacabra. I love all of this. This sounds amazing. Oh, if I have, I think there's in, in the whole world, there's like 30 or 40 books. Oh my goodness. Like that is a smorgasbord of books. It's, it's 30, but each book is its own storyline. They can all be read. They can all honestly be read as standalone, but you're going to get a smattering. So if you went looking for another, like they have their own alpha team, which is like their, like a SEAL team six. Yeah. But it's their alpha team and each 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 alpha team they have a contract with the government that says okay we'll work for you but you're gonna pay us <laughs> i have to ask how many books do you write in a year because i feel like you said your first book came out 10 years ago and you just said 30 to 40 books so how many books are you churning out each year at my height i churned out 13 books in one year Amazing. All right. Tell me your secret. What are you Honestly, I don't have a secret because I haven't done it. I had some life issues. My mother passed away. I couldn't get my shit together. And it's been, I'm slowly coming back. Like that year, I think I put out two books. Last year, I put out three. This year, I'm going to put out six. I'm slowly building back up. But at the height, I put out 13. And I didn't even realize I put out 13 books. One of my, one of my best friends said, I said, no, I only put out this. She says, no, Cassandra, I'm counting. You put out 13 books this year. Wow. wow. Are they full length or are these like? Mix. I do everything from short stories to full length. Wow. wow. So they're a mix of, I do, I mainly like novellas because I'm one of those people. I write how I like it. And I'm, I'm just thankful people like to read how I like it because novella, I like to read quick because I'm always busy. So if I could get a novella that's 30, 40,000 words, I can, oh, I could get the meat of a story and then go on and do whatever I have to do. But I've written full length. I wrote a YA, no, yeah, new adult, young adult, young adult. Because my daughter wouldn't read my sexy stuff. She's like, that's just gross. So I was like, okay, baby. I wrote one called Sugarland, and it's about a helicopter mother, a girl who's trying to just figure her out her world, and a boy who's parents are crack addicts and he has to help raise his little brother. Oh, wow. And he had to do the dichotomy. Like it opens up with him looking for his dad in a crack house. Wow. And I wrote, and that's a full length. That's called Sugarland. Um, I wrote one, I wrote an erotic one called a uh, center circle about a club, but it, it's, it's nasty. It's <laughs> It's beyond nasty. Yeah, Vanessa just made a mental note. That's the one she's going to go get after this. Oh, no, if you really want a really good one, but you like horror, I challenge. I challenged myself. I was like, Cassandra, can you rewrite Frankenstein? I'm like, yeah, shit, yeah, you can rewrite Frankenstein. Okay, Cassandra, write Frankenstein. Well, fuck you, I'm going to write Frankenstein. Well, when you going to start, Cassandra? Give me a day. Let me come up with a plan. And that's how I wrote... Um, Making Monsters. That's awesome. But that is straight up because Dr. Frankenstein is a woman. <laughs> Does she have sex with her monster? Huh? 
Is she's having sex with the monster? No, she's a woman and she's fucking the, the oh sorry. She's fucking the chief of police and the mayor at the same time. So she kind of has them in her hand. And she was creating the monster. And then you found out how she was creating the monster. So yeah, there's a yeah. There's a I really twisted mine. I love that. I love everything about that. Okay. We have to we have to wrap up the podcast and we always do with your advice to writers out there. My advice to writers. I had a hard time and it was hard for me to learn this, but I learned that your voice won't stop. Your voice is your voice. So no matter what you're going through, no matter how hard it gets, no matter if you just if you can't get more than one word down, one word can lead to a sentence. One sentence can lead to a paragraph. A paragraph can lead to a page. A page can lead to a chapter. And a chapter can lead to a book. So don't stop. Never stop. Stay true to yourself. I love all of that. Okay. How do readers find you? What is the best you way to find You can go to flavorfullove.com where you can find me. You can go. You can actually go anywhere. If you Google me, I'll answer you. I try to answer anybody that contacts me. I was, I was a little bad about that a couple just two years ago, because I'm still, I was still kind of mourning my mother. Well, like I said, I'm slowly getting back into the swing of things, but that's all right because I got, I had, like I said, I had a, oh, girl. Anyway, I had a really good idea. I had a great idea, and I'm going to release. I got a whole series, but my series is different because every hero is different, but they some badasses. They some bad. I was like, oh, you're a sexy motherfucker, you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. What is, what is the next book you have coming out? I released Smoke Jumper, and I've released my Asian book, because I release one Asian book every year called The Seven Day Series, where everything happens in seven days. You meet, you fuck, you enjoy, you live life for seven days, and then you separate. I break them up at the end of every series. I'm like, go back to the This is why I like you. I'm always not <laughs> but, happy endings. I Jen, have three books. Just in her head right now, Jen, our other editor, she's here with me in person, and she's like, "No," because she likes happy endings, and she's like the one that reads the ending of the book to 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 confirm that there's going to be a happy ending before she invests time. So okay. you literally just destroyed her. No, right I now, <laughs> like she's upset right now. <laughs> Destroy them to bring them back. But I do have books with happy endings. I just think you need to suffer a little because let's face it. The men in my life were assholes, and I'm 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 copying them. So they got to be assholes at some point. But I have a series that'll come out. It's going to be five books. The covers are like fire. fire. I'm so excited about that series. But each one has a different hero. I'm going. I'm doing something I have never done before, and I'm going to write Native American. Oh, very cool. What's cooler is he a fucking criminal. <laughs> I love that. I love all of that. You, my friend, are amazing. And I am so glad we finally got you on the show. You are amazing. Girl, I, that, that's because, you know what? Amazing. Birds of a feather flock together. Where you being, chick? So if I'm amazing, <laughs> what the hell that make y'all? Birds that's of true. a feather flock together. And I, and I appreciate it. I, I feel an amazing company. You girl, we're going to sit there on that dock listening to somebody. Ooh, 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 let's listen to Def Leppard. Ooh, ooh.
journey. We're going to listen to something good and drink Crown Royal and say, fuck all y'all, we made it. <laughs> yes. yes, I love that. I fucking love that. Okay, this has been Drinking With Authors, and I have been your host, Erica Lance. And I'm Vanessa Valiente. And, <laughs> and we will see you next time.